Today's episode of Laced Up Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Smoke and Mirrors Media. James? Yeah. Been our sponsor for... How long, actually? <laughs> wow, it's... it's pro- I don't know, like... A year? About a year, roughly. You you could you could tell me that we stopped doing Airedale like two years ago, and I'd believe you. Well, no. At this point. Well, we're really on our, like, what, third season? No. So. Here's why. It's because I know when said business was founded now now smoke and mirrors media have been doing fantastic work for about a year now right no mike mike's been working on it he puts in a lot of work and let me tell you a little bit about the work that he does is that smoke and mirrors media is a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cla- cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media will take your venture to the next level. Professional photography offers your websites, brochures, and social media outlets the opportunity to shine. Professional videography creates an opportunity that allows potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look into your unique venture. James, now, if you needed some videography, mm-hmm. you'd go to Smoke and Mirrors. I don't see why I wouldn't. Now, what would you get Mike to do for you? Well, like, is there is there anything that you're looking to put together? Is there a project you're looking to piece together? Well, like, uh, as far as I know, you you and I haven't really gotten together to have some sort of media outlet for the podcast, so we could have like it probably would be smart for us to do some sort of advertising. Like this, this, yeah, it's insane. Like, I'll give us some credit here. Okay, I've never given us credit for anything. It is crazy that there is demand for this podcast, considering you and I have literally not done a single piece of advertising for this podcast in three years. We have not had an ad. All we all we have, we don't even have multiple social media pages. We have a Twitter account. It has 71 followers. We get fucking more listens than that some weeks. You know? It's pretty cool. Not every week. But you know, <laughs> like, how cool would it be, like, you and I taking a photo together, but then Mike has to go in and, like edit out your face is just a question mark <laughs> i'm down for that smoking mirrors yeah they have the technology that's a good i've often thought to like uh, to keep the the gimmick going of not knowing who i am everybody already knows who i am but like the the gimmick of of not knowing who's behind the bruce Vitaglia moniker like how hilarious it would have been when we started doing the video portion of it, mm-hmm. and it's literally just a window of you talking, and then mine's and just back. pitch black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what, the what thing. The like, like, like someone, someone mentioned to me, like, why don't you do the video? And it's like, well, how the fuck are we gonna do that with one person? You know what I mean? We gotta keep the bit going. The the thing people don't realize is that like when we record, I'm sure like a lot of people think that we're like in the same room, face to face, talking right. to each other, but there's like there's like a wall. And like I can't yeah. see you. I don't know what you look like. Yeah. Right. So right. you could you could it's be. Like, it's like the circle, right? You, you ever see the it. you see the circle on Netflix? Uh, no. The show there. No. It's kind of the thing. <laughs> I know you haven't. <laughs> Are they sponsored by Smoke and Mirror too? <laughs> That's right. Mike does all the shooting for that show. Speaking of being back in person too, you and I back in person this week. It's exciting. It's right? been a while. It's been a while. Exactly. Um, now. Back to Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and Mirrors doesn't just deal with commercial shoots. They also deal with private accounts like us, right? They would do something for us. We Wedding private? and engagement we, photos are, are, as well. Are we private? Well, we're, are we a business? <laughs> we're kind of public. All right, fine. We're a public business. But, like, they would, if we weren't, if we were private, I guess, 
uh but they, but they'll do other stuff too right like they'll do they'll do personal things for you wedding and engagement photos family portraits even more can be available through smoke and mirrors and nobody does it better visit smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca and follow at smokeandmirrors.media on instagram for more information and begin uh let's well, normally begin planning your trip uh is the airedale part of it. uh begin who booking your wedding pictures today event or whatever right yeah okay please enjoy this week's show man talk radio yes talk radio so boring man i don't know all i know is we threw four interceptions and fumbled once one interception they returned for a touchdown three others were in our end of the field where they scored points that's all i know that's inexcusable inexcusable Uh, playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me playoffs I just hope we can win a game. I got your picture. I'm coming with you. Dear Maria, come me in. There's a story at the bottom of this bottle and on the pen. For Friday, May 21st, 2021, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and it is uh, officially playoff season, we're into it, we're into the thick of things now, uh, well, most of the series are into the thick of it, uh, still waiting on one to get going uh, as, as we record, but uh, it's it's coming soon, we're, we're in the, the pregame amble, if you if you will. Save the best for last, perhaps? Well, I guess we'll find out. It doesn't look like it, no. but I mean, no. you never know. I'm, I'm James Cole. I am Bruce Pataglia of the high button. Of the high button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Leafs and Habs yet to kick off. We're, we're, we're recording about uh, oh, two hours-ish before puck drop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, I think it's it's safe. It's, it's kind of a weird feeling being the last to the party. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It, usually with the playoffs, you don't have that opportunity to have to sit and watch everybody else. But it's been kind of nice. I don't mind it. It's almost like the NHL knew what they were doing, right? Because, like, the the most anticipated series, whether or not it's going to be a good one on the ice, is, remains to be seen. But, like, the ba- the biggest narrative-based series of all of them is the one we had to wait five days for it to start. And boy, oh boy, did some narratives find their way out there, right? Like, you give these two fan bases time to chirp each other, uh, it's amazing what some of them come up with. So, uh, it's been cool in that sense, I think. I don't know that it's going to be worth the wait necessarily, but we'll see. Yeah, um, we will obviously be talking about that series uh, next episode, but uh, for now, uh, all we have are, are the ones that, that do exist. And um, um, we'll, we're going to get to those later. We're going to cover each of the series and give our thoughts on that. But just off the top here, mm-hmm. we'll change of pace, because you're a fan, I'm a fan. I know some of our fans are fans. Oh, nice Batman. Yeah. Um, the we uh, talk Batman. <clears throat> we're gonna get some some new ish, uh, tragically hit music. How cool is that? That was nice to wake up to this yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will say this: it was one of those things. I saw the tweet, and I'm like, you know, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I saw the tweet, and I was like, oh, is this something we really want? Like, do we really do we really want this? And then I listened to the 25 second clip, and I'm fucking ready to go. 
like, let's fucking go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, six unreleased songs recorded, well, five, uh, recorded at the uh, Road Apples uh, time frame, the yeah, same you, sessions there. You could tell. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're celebrating. They've been doing a lot of stuff for that 30th anniversary uh, of Road Apples. They put out a, a nice cider, a nice apple cider right. for Road Apples. That Who makes that? Thornbury out of right. uh, Ottawa, I believe. Oh, right. Chris Chris Thorburn. Right. His his cidery. Former Winnipeg Jet forward. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, look. It's, 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 it's weird because, like I said, it, it's 30-year-old tunes, but ask any hip fan. And their favorite album is probably in that run of right. the first three or four, right? Right. Like, well, yeah, like, that's the thing. If they told us, it's like, oh, these are all the cut tracks from Man Machine Poem. <laughs> like, with all due respect. Yeah. Or not even that. Like, even that would have been like, well, you know, maybe there's some heartfelt stuff in there. Yeah. Like, if they were like, oh, this is from uh, Now for Plan A. Uh, mm. I'll see you on the other side, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really into that. But, yeah, no, it's cool. Like, it's, uh, and I thought about it today, too, like, in theory, there's probably hundreds of them. There's probably tons of songs out there that they they could, in theory, kind of just sort of keep doing this. But yeah, um, I I do hope that they are strong. That first song, I don't. The first song that's in that little clip, I don't know how that's not going to be a banger. Yeah. The way it sounded to me, the guitar sounds. Wow, I'm very excited for it. Uh, When's that tonight? tonight uh, midnight. midnight. Yes. So when everyone hears this, those these songs will be yeah. out. Yeah, go check yeah. out Saskadelphia. From the tragically hip, the oh original uh, title uh, for Road Apples uh, at one point. So was it actually? Yeah, uh, Johnny Fay, the drummer there, suggested uh, it because he just felt like uh, at the time he said we were waking up and be like, "Oh, what city are we in?" And like that was the mentality. Oh, okay. they, they, we toured so much those first few years that we just thought, "Well, hey, like let's take a little bit of our city, you know, something that people recognize from our city and." And something that Americans can kind of relate to and throw them together. I thought they just decided to take the most ridiculous province name and combine it with one of the more ridiculous right. state names, yeah. and that was just all it was. Like they just thought it was like a, <laughs> like it was their it was their pre grown ups version of Saskatchewan, basically Saskatchewan. You know, yeah. But yeah, that's really cool. Thirty years later, they finally get that that title out there and be, are able to use it. And um, I'm really excited. Uh, I know one one of the songs on there is a live recording from uh, uh, the Bell Center. In Montreal, uh, the song is called Montreal. Oh wow! And it's about a um, it's about this this massacre that took place at a school back in the eighties right. that they wrote about. Very touchy subject, obviously, and it was a song that they shied away from ever releasing because of the content. And uh, it, it, every once in a while, they would play it live, and, and the fans loved it, especially in really, the early yeah. days. And it was the only one that they couldn't find the original recording. Uh, they were they were saying, "Oh no this, way!" In this interview, oh, that's kind of a bummer. So, they found the found a good recording live at a at a well, show, and it was you know happened to be in Montreal. So. I was gonna say if the fans like it, I'd rather hear live versions of most yeah, of these songs. Anyway, for sure. So, so uh, yeah, check that out uh, when you can. I know um, I'm sure both of us will be up at midnight doing the same thing, and I imagine you'll still be here. But yeah, yeah, that'll be my that'll be my walking home tune. Yes, there we go. There we go. Um, to some hockey uh, because uh, as we mentioned, wrote two hours out on puck drop. We want to watch the game. Who we who be kidding here? So let, let's let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Let's get to the, the heavy content of uh, of what we've missed so far uh, through the first uh, week or so. Uh, not not quite uh, of of the NHL playoffs. And uh, hey, we've already got uh, two <coughs> pretty questionable hits that we should oh, probably address <coughs> because it is the NHL. Right, and, Tom uh, Wilson and Jack oh, Eichel. In wow. the here. Yeah, Tom and Jack. Uh, 
No, uh, instead we're going to talk about uh, Sam and Nazim, yeah, as right. it were. Yeah, changing yeah. things up this week. Definitely the two forwards uh, I thought I'd be talking about entering the, the playoff discussion, right, would be uh, Sam Bennett and Nazim Kadri, for sure. So Sam Bennett uh, suspended one game for his hit against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I forget who he hit. I'm watching the video here. Oh, and yeah, I, can't I don't remember even who. remember now. Blake that was, Coleman, That maybe? was a week ago. Yeah, I think Coleman's been getting, like, just destroyed in that series. I don't know what it is. Because he was the one who took that huge hit from Gudis the other night, too, yeah. at center ice. Yeah. He's getting killed. I don't know how, but... Oh, he was the guy that the Lightning brought in last year to do the killing. So, you know, maybe yeah, that's the relatively tame. It's the premeditated strike. The Pearl Harbor, if you will, for the Florida Panthers. Blake Coleman is the Pearl Harbor of yeah. the Florida You attack him the... first before he can right. attack you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so Sam, get ahead of it. Sam Bennett gets, gets a game, and in the playoffs, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, one game is usually the equivalent of three or four in, mm-hmm. in the uh, regular season. Um let, let, let's get your thoughts on on the hit itself, um, and and then we'll we'll dive into the whole suspension uh, backdrop of, yeah. of the whole thing. Well, it's a bad hit. Bad hit. I mean, you know, like the, <laughs> oh wow, you thought it was a bad hit too? Yeah, it's, it's a bad <laughs> hit. Like it's 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 one of those things where when I see hits from behind, I'm always kind of like, well, what what happened there, right? Like, and there are a lot of times where a hit from behind is just like you know, especially here in Canada, our brain is just trained to see a hit from behind and be like, well, it should be a game misconduct right because of minor hockey bullshit so um like like that's definitely evident here and then you watch the full video and it's like bennett even if you want to use the word gliding uh comes at him from like the other side of the fucking zone basically like he came about as far away like he was he was moving toward him from the top of the circle coming in he knew exactly what he was gonna do he's watching coleman the whole time and at no point did it look like he maybe thought about not making that hit and i don't know when you have that much time to think about a hit it's generally a bad hit so uh yeah i I didn't i didn't like it i thought uh i mean like i think we're kind of out the window now on like i thought it was a good suspension or i thought it was a bad suspension like i i at this point i have no idea what the hell player safety is doing so i can't really comment on the length if i were in charge it's about right for me do you think it's a fair system the way the way they they do things? Like I mentioned, the the one game in the playoffs seems to be the equivalent of three or four. In the, like, is there some logic there, or are we just kind of maybe trying to lighten the sentence on some of these guys because we know the season can be over in in a week? Yeah, I mean, like, there's something to it in that the NHL doesn't want to the NHL doesn't want to water down the product in the playoffs. Like, they'd rather. They want to see hits. Like, everyone wants to see hits. It's the reputation that playoff hockey has. It's always had that reputation. So, I think there's something to that in that they don't want guys completely, you know... They want they don't want it to be a complete skill game in the playoffs, right? And I think there's something to that. But, um, you know, I still think that a bad hit's a bad hit, and maybe we should be going more than that. I mean, I, I don't know. Based on the current system, I thought one is fair, right? But is... I guess what you're asking is, should one be fair in that situation? No, in the regular season, that's probably two or three games for me. So, um, I guess it should have been two or three games right now, too. That's how I, I see know. it, you know, from from my view. Like, the the hit should be judged for the actions, and, and if you want to, after the facts, put a spin on who's involved, then you can tack on or, or, or do whatever you have to do at that point. But to me, like, 
the hit or the act uh, that is suspendable should have some sort of weight to it. And and if, if you're going to say that that hit is okay a week ago versus today, mm-hmm. I don't really understand uh, you know what we're talking about here. Like these two teams met in the final two games of the regular season, and it was a very chippy affair. Mm-hmm. If that if that hit took place on the last game of the season as opposed to game one of the playoffs, it's probably a different conversation. It's probably a different length, and to me, it just there's not a lot of sense there. I, I don't I don't get the logic. There 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 should be some sort of continuity, regardless of, yeah. of of what time of the year it is. And you see it with the preseason, right? Guys will go they'll go overboard in the preseason. Oh, you're you you threw a bad hit. You're out, you're out the rest of the preseason. You're out five games. It's like, all right, I know it's the preseason. Doesn't really matter, but why is it more when in a week it might be sure. a game or two? So I, I don't know. I, I think that they're, the whole system's kind of flawed in that regard and they, they should be more you know consistent with, with the length of these suspensions. But Yeah, you're not wrong. Like even to my point too where like it's, it's not going to, it shouldn't cause guys to shy away from hitting in the playoffs, right? If, if they know they're going to get suspended just as long, I, I think the hits are going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think... I don't think saying that it's going to be three or four games for Sam Bennett is going to stop Sam Bennett from throwing that hit. I don't think it's going to stop any of this from happening, necessarily. Because I don't think that... Uh, I, I think we're way past the point where NHL player safety and their rules and their discipline is doing anything to... Uh, it's not a deterrent. Like, you know, how laws are... You know, jail's a deterrent from breaking the law. Yeah. Like... Suspensions are not stopping anyone from doing anything in hockey. Like, like, come on. I don't steal a car because I don't really want to go to jail, but I need a car. Right. So if if the penalty to stealing a right. car was like, eh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give you a week off work. But if, you've the, been bad. if the trade off is that our team <laughs> might move on to the next round, if I nail Mark Shifley from behind, then mm. I might fucking just do it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Sam Bennett, like I said, one game suspension. I think. We can both agree that uh, Nazem Kadri will not be receiving a similar length of suspension from the Department of Player Safety for his hit. Well, even just circling back to Bennett for a second, yeah, though, for did sure. you did you have an issue with the McDonough one? Like, did you think that McDonough also should have been suspended for his hit on Duclair earlier in that game? I, I do. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that they. I, I think Bennett's was worse at the end of the day. Um, and this is kind of where I come back to this whole idea of the continuity between between the suspensions because if if you're only going to give Bennett that one game then I can see why you're not going to take yeah, the time to go that's after the problem, McDonough right yeah but the Bennett one should have been two or three in my the mind the McDonough was bad but it's yeah. but I see what you're saying like it's hard to say Bennett's worth a game and McDonough's worth a game and you look at those hits and you call them the same they're not exactly. yeah. the one guy came from fucking you know 80 feet away the other guy was standing right beside him and just happened to fucking bury him into the boards like Mm-hmm. Probably should have been a suspension. Too, yeah, but. I'm glad you brought that up because that 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 was part of my my whole thinking when I was uh, going through my Bennett notes here. But yeah, 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 absolutely. I thought that that was um, again not not nowhere near the Bennett play, but suspendable. And it's those are the type of situations where you, you got guys running back and forth during a game. And like I said, you go back to those last two games of the regular season. These teams are fired up. There, the emotions are high right now. Uh, whether the Battle of Florida existed or not. <laughs> a year ago uh, it seems to be in full swing now it's looking like the Battle of Alberta out there uh, some nights so maybe not in, you know n- number of championships hanging from the banners but you know like uh, these two teams don't seem to like each other and whether that has anything to do with geography or just the number of times that they've had to put up with each other is... I, I wonder if just because neither team's been all that good is maybe why I'm about to say this but like 
I can't remember the last time I was like super invested in the Battle of Alberta. You know, like uh, like I I have enjoyed the Battle of Florida more than I've enjoyed any Battle of Alberta in the last ten years. Like even when shit was going crazy there a year and a half ago, two years ago. Remember we were at the Da Vinci. Remember we didn't go places. Yeah, and we were watching Mike Smith fucking run across the ice to fight whoever the fuck he fought, and like that was crazy and shit. But it was like, man, either of these teams are fucking really all that great, yeah. and like I, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I don't really care. I think the Battle of Florida legitimately are two teams that sort of are always kind of clawing for relevance in a way like Tampa not as much but you know and it's a rivalry that's never really that's always existed but no one's given it recognition now that it's getting recognition I think both sides are kind of like well we can't fucking lose this and the other thing is too is like whereas the Battle of Florida I can't remember last time both of those teams were cup contenders at the same time you could easily say that about the, about the yeah exactly, like never since I've been watching it so like you could easily say that about Florida right like even a few years ago when Calgary won the division and Edmonton was like a decent team we really think either of those teams were all that good like not really but I think legitimately either of these Florida teams could win the Stanley Cup yeah after two games I'd probably give Tampa the the edge even though I took Florida to win that series but like I think they're both legitimate cup contending teams I, I think the battle of like any battle, any rivalry, I think it, it kind of begins and ends with, with what happens in the postseason. Because sure. you're right. Like, I remember tuning into the, that next Flames-Oilers game after the Mike Smith thing. Because I, oh, I want to see what's going to happen, right? And it wasn't really much of anything. No. And then it, But that was the whole thing where that season, for example, both teams were headed to the playoffs. And we were sitting there for a couple weeks thinking, oh, we might get, might get Flames mm-hmm. and Oilers in the first round. How, how, how much fun would that be? And if, if that happens, I think it's a totally different Maybe, conversation. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I, I like, even, I, like, this would be an interesting conversation to listen uh, back to, not even six months from now, but, like, a few weeks from now, like, between Montreal and Toronto, where they've never really had that meaningful game tension in a long yeah. time, and the rivalry's somewhat tame at this stage, like, well, what's the extent of this fucking rivalry that they have? Both teams say things about each... Not even both teams. Montreal chirps the Leafs in their post-game availabilities. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of this. Like, what has there been? One fight in a series? A couple hits? Yeah. Eh. It's like it's, the, right it's like the Battle of Ontario for me at this point, right? Like, that, that was brewed in That's almost those a bigger rivalry for me at this point. Like, you, uh, you know, but like... Montreal. It, it was brewed in those postseason uh, pl- uh, matchups. They had, what, four or five of them in, in a, in a six-year span. That was awesome. It was a great time. How, how did each of them go? Well, let me, let me take two I got, hours. I got, one, I got one thing I can brag about as a Leaf fan, and it's just how the Leafs have destroyed Ottawa in the playoffs over the years. That's all I got. But then the lockout happens, and the Leafs sucked, and the Sens were good. Mm-hmm. and Really good. No one cared. And then the Leafs got good, and then the Sens sucked. And, like, I don't care about Ottawa. Right. And I don't think I'm ever going to care about Ottawa again until I have to play them in the playoffs. Like... It's kind of the same way. Montreal's a little different because you've got so much history. And these, these, these no, are two for, teams for sure. with the most cups, right? And it goes back. But you're right. It hasn't really existed. Like, if we would have got that Stanley Cup Finals in 93, oh, baby. Maybe maybe you and I are growing up in a different, in a different well, world. Well, yeah. And like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, we grew up in an era where even when Ottawa was better, which I don't have it in front of me, but, like, more often than not in the 2000s, they were better than Toronto. Yeah. But they had... Not that the Leafs have anything to show for it, but Ottawa really had nothing to show for it, right? Like, they really... They went to a, 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 cup, a cup final eventually, but, like, the you know, when both teams were anything that mattered... Like, the Leafs fucking finished eighth one year, 
and swept the goddamn Senators. Swept them! Senators won the fucking President's Trophy, I think, that year even? Like, they fucking killed them, too. Like, it wasn't even really all that close. So it was like, yeah, I get why... I get why Ottawa fucking hates the Leafs, right? But, like, the Leafs had nothing to hate them about because it's like, well, we fucking beat you every time. Mm-hmm. Fuck do we care about you? Yeah. I was speaking of uh, hating players that played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Nazem Kadri, uh, mm-hmm. as I kind of touched on there. I don't hate him. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to. <laughs> if they didn't already. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, uh, a big... Big hit uh, in uh, the game, game two against the Blues. Uh, he connects with Corey Krug up high. Was it Krug? No, it was uh, Justin Falk. Falk. I knew it was a defenseman. Um, <laughs> it was six to choose from. Yeah. Oh, actually, there was five. I think Bortuzzo was already out at that point. So. <laughs> Did uh, he do something? No, he, he got hurt. God, I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't. I turned it off. I couldn't do it. It A 3 nothing goal, I was like, I'm done. I, I did the same. I went and watched the Lakers and uh, the... Um, the uh, Golden State Warriors play, and then that ended. I think you made the right like, choice, but that that game ended. I turned it back, and it was three two, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll yeah, stick yeah. around." And then, yeah, that was about it. No, but, yeah, I, I I racked out pretty quick. Uh, Nazem Kadri connects up high on uh, Justin Falk and whole um, oh, baby. Um, the match penalty gone for five. The Blues are able to score, make it make it close there at one point, but. Um, uh, here we are again talking about Nazem Kadri doing something dumb in the playoffs, and the last time he did something, which, by comparison, uh, nowhere near as bad as the hit from a couple nights ago. Yeah, uh, I would agree. He, he he got tossed for the rest of the series, and I think that was in game one or two. You know what the hilarious thing about that too is, though, is like, you know, I I thought that the DeBrusque thing was more predatory though, but like. The incident itself wasn't as bad. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like he was trying to... He obviously was trying to fucking hurt DeBrusque when he did that. Whereas, like, the thing last night... It was, it was made at high speed. Like, I don't really know that he meant to fucking take off Falk's head. He did. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't, doesn't change, you know, yeah. what happened on this play. But, uh, yeah, that's the weird thing about it. Like, I would agree with you that it was it was way worse. But I don't even know that he was really trying to fucking do that but Falk missed the rest of the game um his status for game three kind of up in the air mm-hmm. Craig Berube was uh touching on and um I I gotta think at this point with his track record mm-hmm. I don't think you see him again until the uh final four yeah no I think that's about right like he he got a series last time and the way that the uh, Department of Player Safety at least tries to create the illusion of the way that they do things is that, you know, for a player like this, you're going to incrementally increase it. So it's it would be two series now, and two's more than two's uh, yeah. more than one. The the problem so. with me, like just saying, oh, we're going to give him the series, is well, that's probably going to be a two game suspension at that point, right? So oh fuck yeah, you know, like. You gotta, you gotta be realistic. Don't and, count the and blues then, out. <laughs> well, it's they, the NHL. I don't they count surrendered 180 out. shots in fucking five periods. But, yeah. You know. um, didn't the President's Trophy Senators once? Uh, um, Good lord. But yeah, it, it goes from being you're out for the series to two game suspension. Now he's back in, in you know for game three. I, I think he's got to be out for at least the next. You could go longer, and I wouldn't really push back too hard on on the topic. He's a repeat offender. Yeah, like that's a problem. Like. You know, just because I think that this is a guy who 
Uh, well, he's a guy that I like, so like maybe I'm being uh, impartial here. It's just that, you know, just because I don't think he's out to fucking for blood in the same way that Tom Wilson and shit is, and I don't think he's as dangerous of a player, doesn't make his track record defendable. <laughs> like, you know, he's done this uh, now three times in the playoffs. I don't even remember what he did the first time. I gotta be honest. What was the first suspension? Do you remember? Oh, it it was a hit. It wasn't good. But yeah, I just don't remember the context of the hit. And, and I that think was he got for... the rest of the series, but that was in like game five. Yeah, right? they gave him. It was one of those things where they gave him two games, but like it wasn't it was gonna the be, rest of the series. They didn't call it the rest of the series or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. like the Leafs. I think that I think that was the year the Leafs could have won it in game six. And then he would have missed game one the next series. It didn't really matter how they the, the games worked. It was just going to be two games. But um, Suspended three games in game one. Oh. Weird. Uh, for his hit on Tommy Wingles. I don't remember it. No. Nor do I. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. regardless, it was yeah. bad enough to get three games. And yeah. I don't think I really disagreed with it at the time. So, um, yeah. I mean, like, this, this is a guy who... who uh, like, it's a, it's a different argument than Wilson in a way, but, like, he clearly seems to have issues controlling himself uh, when it comes to his behavior in the playoffs. And short of telling him he's not allowed to play in the playoffs anymore, like, what the fuck else are they really going to do? They have to do something about it. You, you can't, you can't, it was a bad hit. Horrible hit. It was, he came at uh, Falk almost the same distance away that Bennett came at fucking Coleman. Except the difference is that he one guy hit Coleman from behind in a hit that was never going to break the fucking dude's neck. Like, that was never going to kill Coleman. Uh, he could have... He, he may have ended Justin Falk's career. It's the, like, it's it, the it, hit that ends it, careers. It, it, yeah. it has got to be a horrible concussion. I would imagine he's got a fucking injury to some muscles in his neck and stuff like that. I, I'd be shocked if Justin Falk's back in this series. Absolutely shocked. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on this podcast. Hmm. Um... Now, doctor, um... <laughs> it's like the, that 70s show, but hey, doctor, doctor, yeah. doctor, whoa, doctor. Um, th- this, when I, when I saw the, when I saw the hit, my mind immediately went to, um, a couple years ago, when the Toronto Police treated him, and obviously, Barry didn't work out in Toronto, we still got Kerfoot, who, you know, is, is the lesser player. I think he's an important part of the team, but by all accounts, you'd rather have Kadri over, over Kerfoot. Off, you know, off. Okay, yes. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But I'd rather have Kerfoot than a minor leaguer. Right. And we have Kerfoot, and the Avs don't have fucking Kadri. Right. I'm not so, saying that the Leafs lost that trade, but like... No, but that was what I was saying. You like, know, a lot like of people, I'd rather have Kerfoot right now. He's fucking good defensively. He's yeah. a penalty killer on a team that doesn't have a lot of good ones, so... A, a lot of Leaf fans like to bitch that they lost the trade. And I think that this is one of those factors that they don't really take into account. That, yeah, we lost the trade, but we also don't have to deal with this shit right. anymore. And... The Leafs have a lot of depth, but I don't want to worry about yeah. who's replacing someone because they... Did For some sure. stupid shit. And here's another thing, too, that I think a lot of people overlook. And I'm not... Oh, fuck. I am not... I am not saying the Blues are back in this series. But the last thing I really want to do is when a team shows up for a playoff series or a playoff game asleep, why wake them up? Why give them any reason to fucking get going? If they want to just sleep through the series and fucking not know how to 
get anything going. It's a whole. This is a whole philosophy we had when we coached. Don't give teams any reason to fucking. Yep. Don't give them any more reason to try to beat you. Yep. And I gotta be honest. Like going into the game tonight, I understand it's the Leafs, but everything on paper suggests that the Leafs are going to win this fucking series in four games, right? Like if you go by every sort of metric, there should be no reason that the Habs get more than a game out of this. And I don't want Nazem Kadri running around there the first seven minutes of fucking game and take off Nick Suzuki's head and... Oh, great. Like, now now Shea Weber's fucking mad. And now, like... You know what I mean? Let these guys just be bad. Yeah. Let them be bad. And the same thing with the Blues. Like, you're killing them. Why the fuck did... Why did you even need to throw that hit? You're killing them. You had... They had 68 shots through four periods. It's fucking insane. So, yeah, I'd rather have Kerfoot. And, and, and he, like... What I was trying to, you know, c- kind of get to was the the idea that this this is like last year. Joe Sakic looked like he was getting away with murder, and now Nazem Kadri attempted murder and he's not getting away with it. And now it's the you know one more problem that the Avs have to worry about. And you're absolutely right. Like I know you said you turned the game off uh, at some point last night, but after the Kadri hit, the Blues score on the power play, mm-hmm. and. The, the game changed. I, I'm sorry. The Avs are the better team. Yeah. But the only reason I think the Blues lost that game last night was because they were down to four defensemen. Yeah. Honestly, the way they were playing, uh, they get the, the Avs get the empty netter. The Blues come back. Like, they... look, look, like, obviously the Avalanche had maybe the best season any team's ever had analytically since we've been doing those measures, right? Like, you could argue they're the best hockey team that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But, like, sure, the Blues are terrible. Like, I would say arguably the worst team that made the playoffs, okay? But did everyone coming into the year think the Blues were going to be that? No. And it's the same thing as a few years ago when they were horrible through 30 games. And everyone's like, well, I had this team winning the Stanley Cup. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden something clicked and then that team went on a run. And I'm not saying the Blues are going to do that again necessarily. But, like, this is one of those teams where you look at their, their roster. They're, it's a good team. Like, these are all good hockey players that collectively are bad this year. And the last thing I want to do is try to unlock whatever the fuck the Blues have sleeping in there. Especially when it's a team like the Avalanche that have fucking, you know, playoff demons in their closet. So, yeah, it's not great. Like, uh, the Blues are not going to come back and win this series. I, I, I see no way it happens. But the whole argument is that if Nazem Kadri did this against, uh, like, if he threw that hit on uh, Nicholas Haig... Of the Vegas Golden Knights. I, it's not a team that I want to get angry either, right? Like, you know. So, it's detrimental is what I'm getting at. This is this is not a good thing. And, you know, if he gets suspended to the level that you and I say that he should, you're also going into the next series against the Wild or the Golden Knights without him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it a crucial loss? Probably not. But he is a top six forward in your fucking lineup. Like yeah, you'd, you'd rather have him than you know, not. I don't. Exactly. I, I can't speak to the Avalanche's depth. You know, I don't know who's coming in to replace I'm him. I'm not crazy about their forward depth. It, it's pretty. It's good, but it's just they're like they're one of those teams where that top line and their defense do a lot of that heavy lifting, and like their 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 wingers are good. But yeah, I don't know. The uh, Detroit Red Wings. Um, can't believe we're going to switch gears and talk about Biff. these guys. But. We spent a lot of time on the uh, <clears throat> Canadians and Blues and Red Wings this week. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, the Red Wings have uh, decided to bring back, or extend, I guess uh, is how they put it, uh, head coach Jeff Blaschel. 
who has uh, now been with the organization for 10 years. And um, it probably was time to do something else. But I, I don't know. Like, I I think I, I, a lot of people are saying this is a bad move. I don't know that I hate it. But it's just weird. I don't know how long the extension was. Like I can't I can't find anywhere how long that uh, they gave him. Um, if this is like a year or two, then yeah, sure. Like the Red Wings are not going to be good next year. Like they don't need to bring in Gerard Gallant to lead this team to the playoffs in this season. Like it's it's going to be a little while. Well, so. there's no pressure to do that, but like at some point they got to start taking some steps, and I think they took little ones this year. I mean, like they they were bad. Uh, and uh, the year before they were very bad. So like, you know, it's not it's it's not like they didn't do anything this year. Like they certainly weren't abysmal. But I mean, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to believe that this is the guy. Like I just I just don't get it. I don't think it is. I I, I, I think it. they I think they've they've had to have that conversation with him. I hope they have, and and say to him like like. You're not. You're not gonna be like. You didn't get a ten year extension, Jeff. Like you're not mm-hmm. our coach of the future. So I think he's got to realize where he's at. I think the Red Wings, like I think Steve Eisman realizes where they're at. Like he's a, by all accounts a very smart front office guy. So I think this is just a, a stopgap. You're comfortable. Um, I'm sure you gauge the dressing room, and and if the guys are all saying that they like. Coach Blashill, then then what's the harm in bringing him back? Um, as far He's as like a nice concerned. guy, but it's yeah. just I don't know. Like, and the whole thing is too is like if you uh, like I, I hate this shit, and it goes back to the conversation last week with the Rangers too. Is like if you're not planning to compete next year, which is fine, but at some point you need to take steps towards getting back to that competitive point. Mm-hmm. And what the hell is the point? Of your young guys learning another year under Blashill, only for another guy to come in, in a year from now and be like, okay, now we're a playoff team. No, you're not. Now you're relearning everything that, uh, like, now you're teaching new systems. And, like, hiring a new coach for a young team doesn't automatically make them good. So, I think, similar to, like, how Colorado did it, it'd be nice to have a year under the guy that you plan to be the guy. And if Blashill's that guy, that's great. The Red Wings are dead last in everything the entire time he's been there. Mm-hmm. In everything, so I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't get it. I think it's very bizarre. Um, I tweeted that I wonder if, if maybe uh, he's got some dirt on the Illich family that we don't know about, and uh, like I was joking, but I mean, there's got to be something to some of this. Like it's just very weird. Yeah, I mean, like I, I do compare it a little bit to like I'm not saying he's Barry Trotz, but like you look at Barry Trotz or Lindy Ruff. And the years that those two guys put in with their organizations, and they went through some really bad years, and they stuck it out, and, yeah. and the, the team believed in them and brought them back. And I think there's merit for those types of situations. If, if you've got a guy, for whatever reason, just just buys in, understands his role, knows what he's doing as a coach, then, yeah, why not, right? Like, I, yeah. I think you can make the argument to keep him around, but... If he's actively out there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to play, you know, th- this guy 25 minutes a night because we're trying to win now, like, then he's clearly not working towards the same goal. He doesn't understand the objective here. It's like Mike Babcock in Toronto after a while. 
good coach by all accounts, but just didn't get what they were trying to do. So it's time to move on yeah. and and wash our hands. And and maybe Jeff knows what he's doing. Maybe Jeff gets the idea. He knows the big picture here, and and, and he wants that. Maybe I I think a lot of their young guys just haven't really gotten that much better. Like I think the team That's maybe fair. is is I don't know. Like I think a lot of these guys have maybe plateaued, and um, I don't know if Blashill's the guy to really fix that, but. I, I see no indication that he is, but I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this is a horrible move because I really have nothing to prove that either. Yeah. He, you know what? And I'd, I'd like to know what his peak is because I, I don't think we've seen it with the Red Wings because well, he, it's been a bad team the entire time he's been there, right? Yeah. I mean, one good thing is that he's a player's coach, right? Like, that's the kind of guy you want with these young guys. They seem to seem to like him, mm-hmm. which is a good start, but I mean, you know. You can like your coach for so long, and you can. And, and the Red Wings work their ass off this year. Like they're a hard-working team. You watch them, and they they work hard, but they they don't they don't have a lot on the roster. And even the pieces that they do, it just seems like they're not they're not getting it done. And I don't know. It's uh, I mean, again, it's a bad team. But yeah. uh, speaking of bad teams, the uh, Vancouver Canucks uh, are uh, apparently keeping Jim Benning for at least uh, at least one more year. Um, Next to Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Roots, yeah. what do you think about a team that's hitting uh, 123 on the season? Your thoughts on the 1974 Washington Capitals. Oh, um, this is getting better. Jim Benning uh, told that he will return next season with the club. Yeah. <laughs> like, did did anyone think he was actually going anywhere with an expansion draft coming up this summer? I like he's got to go, but this wasn't going to be the time. It never was. The time was yeah. last summer, or the summer after the one coming. Because you, you don't make that kind of change this close to that monumental of a, of a step for your franchise. I, th- I think anyway, it's dumb. It's two or three years behind the ball, but now is not the right time. Okay. Well, here's my question to you on that then. Uh. Now, I realize this question is coming out three years after an expansion draft happened that saw uh, probably the fucking best roster in the NHL currently <laughs> assembled because of that expansion draft. But, like, is the expansion draft really that hard that you need an experienced guy? Like, couldn't, couldn't in theory, anyone just put together a fucking list of... Like, all the pieces are kind of in place anyway. What the hell does Jim Benning really need to be around to answer the phone for when... Like, again, I just said this. Like, I don't think that going forward with a guy who clearly has a flawed vision is a smart idea at all. I would rather go with a guy who maybe makes a mistake on who to keep. Yeah. And at least is headed in the right direction than Jim Benning who... Look, I'll say it. I don't really think Jim Benning is horrible. But... They haven't gotten any better <laughs> in like seven years, really. You know, he he has been rebuilding the scraps of Mike Gillis for years, and uh, he's not doing a great job at it. Yeah, you know. Um, I guess my answer to that is like, you're not wrong. Like, it, it doesn't need to be this tenured guy that is going to have to put this list together and and make it make sense because I think you have. You know, a lot of people in a lot of positions to that that could probably handle it and make that call. What I think Jim Benning brings to the table, especially with this current situation that the Canucks are going to find themselves in this summer, is 
he can look these guys in the eye and say, look, I know that I gave you that no trade or no move clause. Right. I'm asking you to waive it because I, I need I need to move somebody out of here for Seattle. And I think that's a lot easier to do if you were the guy that, that signed that, that contract. You think so? That, I, I think so. I think mm. there's I think that, you know, if, if you're Alex Edler uh, maybe not the best example, but like if you're Travis Hamanick or somebody like that, and and you can and sit down with Jim and say like, yeah, I, I signed my contract under these, you know, terms. I thought I thought we were going to be a really good hockey team in my time here. I thought we were in this together, bro. Yeah, we we clearly aren't headed towards the same level that I thought we were at one point. I'd rather go to Seattle at this point. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll wave. I don't um, know. But it's hard to say. I mean, everyone's different, but like I would rather. I would rather be there for a long time and some new guy come in and be like, look, we're getting rid of you. <laughs> One way or another, we're going to find a way. Yeah. So do you want to go to Seattle or do we do we have to drag this out? And I would rather be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Like maybe I won't wave to Seattle, but trade me after the draft if you can. Or, or if you can find a deal, a three-way deal at the draft or something, do that then. But I don't know. Because there's something about like, well, yeah, you're the guy who signed me to this. So why why do I need to do you a favor at this stage, right? But why do you want to give the new guy a favor either? I don't owe you anything. I don't know you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to say, yeah. but it's I don't know. I don't uh, like I'll say this about Jim Benning. Like you know, I'm I'm scrolling it too while you were talking because I've always sort of had this thought, and I wanted to make sure that the evidence is there. I don't I don't think Jim Benning. I think Jim Benning is a decent trader. Like, I think he's yeah. okay at trading assets. Yeah. Like, you look at a lot... Like, he's lost some deals. But, like, he... he, You know, he nailed the JT Miller trade. Mm-hmm. And everyone looked at that and they're like, what the fuck is he doing this for JT Miller? JT Miller's like a point-per-game guy in, in Vancouver. Like, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of guys for nothing. He's done a good job at trading. He is a horrible contract signer. He's Real bad. Dave, he's Dave Nonis. This guy's Dave Nonis. Real bad. It's the same thing. Except Dave Nonis lasted fucking 23 months in Toronto. Jim Benning's been there since 2014, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, even his drafting, like, I don't hate it, but it's like, your signing contracts is literally the most important of those three things. Is at, is your cap management. He is horrible at it. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Like, maybe the worst in the league. It, it's bad. At least with San Jose, they were good at the time they signed all those deals, right? I'm not going to blame Doug Wilson for all these guys hitting a fucking wall all at once. He was trying to win a Stanley Cup. They were close to it. Fuck it. Vancouver wasn't even close. Not even on the fucking radar. And they're like, you know who we need? Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle for $6 million a year for four years. That'll be good. Louis Erickson. What the mm-hmm. fuck's this guy doing? Um, for what it's worth, uh, Jim Benning lost uh, Luca Spiza in the expansion draft for the Golden Knights. Um, so I, I guess he's doing okay in that regard. Uh, yeah, but who were they going to lose? Yeah. Was there anyone else that, they, like, who did they keep that was they, like, wow, they managed to keep him? They kept Erickson, Sedin, Sedin, Barchi, Gramland, Horvat, Sutter, Edler, Branson, Tanev, and yeah. Jacob Markstrom. No. So. Could be worse, I guess. Mm-hmm. But. Um, staying with the Canucks for a minute, uh, the uh, Sedin twins seem to enjoy pain uh, because they are interested in joining this sinking ship. And. Um, trying to make a, a, a job for themselves in, in NHL front offices. Um, I saw it initially. Uh, I'll, I'll give my two cents. I saw it initially, 
And on paper, I thought, wow, that's really fucking weird and doesn't make any sense and it's probably a really bad idea. But by the sounds of it, this is the Canucks doing the Sedins a favor, giving them some experience somewhere to get their, their toes wet. And it sounds like both these guys have higher aspirations. If that's the case, I'm okay with it. If, if, if that's the goal, that these guys are just here to learn... And yeah. we're willing to give you a shot because you've done so much for the franchise in the city. Sure. If this is, we want the Sedins here because we think that they're going to make a difference today and their their knowledge is, is beyond anybody else's that we could have hired, then that's a bananas fucking move for a team to make. So I, I'd, like, I'd like maybe some clarity on that situation. It's sounding like from the Sedins camp that that's the, the goal here, that the route they're trying to take, but... I don't know why the Canucks made the hire at the same time. So, did they actually hire them though? I don't. I, I don't know. If, I, I don't know I if they've officially it. brought them oh, in yet. Well, perhaps. They, perhaps it, not officially. Well, it was one of those things where Drager reported it, and everyone else is like, "Yeah." And then uh, I don't think they ever announced anything really. But um, I mean, I guess I'll, like I'll say this: like I'm, I'm, I'm a little sick of teams feeling the need to bring in like the greatest player in franchise history during times of trouble. And so that way the fan base, like, doesn't get as mad at them. And the Canucks have already fucking pulled that card. They already did that with Trevor Linden. So, like, I, I, I'm kind of annoyed by it. Uh, having said that, I'm not necessarily saying that I think the Sedins are going to be uh, a front office disaster. They seem like smart guys. Uh, there's a good chance they'll be good as, as front office guys. Because similar to how they were as players, there's two of them. So, uh, that helps. You know, you can, uh, you can say one thing to a guy. And then send the other brother to be like, oh, I didn't fucking say that. And then be like, oh, well, I thought I was talking to you. You're like, no, you were talking to the other one. <laughs> so I think that that might work to its advantage. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I hate, I hate this constant, uh, here's a name you know. Here, here you go. But I do think the Sedins seem pretty smart. I don't know if that's just because they're Swedish. And I think all these Swedish hockey players are smart too. But, um yeah, I don't know. I don't hate it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, like I said, I'd like to know the context of of who is expecting what in this deal. That it, as you are, you were you're correct. They they're not official yet. They're they're in talks. Yeah. Um. So I I'd, I'd like to know what the plan is here. Like, but like put it this way, like the the Rangers named Chris Drury the GM. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like Drury's been there a while. He's a former player, but like he's put in his time. It's not like they just. It's not like they named Mark Messier the GM, right? So I was like, I was okay with that. And then, you know, this week they're like, oh yeah, and our assistant GM is going to be Mike Greer. I'm like, wow, that's fucking great. Like, that's really cool. And then I thought about it, I'm like, wait, that's just Drury's buddy. They know each other. I think it's a good hire, though. But I was the same way. I like the Greer hire. I was the same way with Rod Brindamore being hired by the Hurricanes at yeah. first. Yeah. And that turned out pretty good, so... Yeah, I mean, the funny thing with Brindamore, too, is, like, Brindamore's the first guy to be like, look, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just good at, like... I'm just good at keeping the guys, like, jacked. You know what I mean? That's how good the fucking Hurricanes are, is they don't even need a coach. They just need a fucking hype man. And Brindamore does that, and everyone's like, oh, he's the best coach in the league. And it's like, he doesn't do anything else, really, apparently. But, like, he... He shows up. He knows how to set the lines. He's bench-pressed into Tsunami... (laughs) And just like, come on, boys. And like, now we're all bench pressing to Tsunami. And, like, oh my god, if I'm yeah. not as fit as this guy, I'm fucked. Because he could take my job in a second. 
one last uh, piece of off-ice management that I thought we would talk about is uh, John Davidson returning to the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I saw that. That's nice. I, I like that. <laughs> that's that's a good move. Good, good for them. Yeah, they, they need to do something different. And the best way for them to do something different is to do something they've already done before. Mm. No, but like, I thought Davidson did a really good job in New York. Um, I thought he did a decent job when he was in Columbus in the first place. I like John Davidson a lot, actually. I think he's, I think he's a lot smarter than people maybe give him credit for at this stage. So, he's also uh, and you know what? <laughs> I like that he does that job, and no one's been like, you know what? Let's make him the GM. Fuck it, he makes so many good decisions. Yeah. No, like he's already. We don't need to do that again. Like that's fine, but he can still be in charge of stuff and do a good job. So I like it. I think it's a good hire. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're going to talk playoffs and, and go through the series uh, from what we like. But uh, as as we should touch on, obviously, throughout the the first three or four games that we've watched down south of the border, uh, fans are back in the building. Mm-hmm. It's been a, a, a bit of an energy boost, I would say, to uh, to some of these these teams. The players look like they're having a good time in front of the fans. The fans seem to be having a good time. I would like to know how many COVID cases are being uh, concocted as a result of all this, but concocted. I'll stay with the positive. Um, that being said, the uh, Montreal Canadiens are set to have fans back at the Bell Centre uh, starting May 28th, should they still be playing hockey <laughs> at that point. And mm-hmm. um, I love to rag on the Habs, and, and, and you love to cheer for the Leafs, so I thought... Yeah, I was going to say not as much, but I mean, I definitely do love a good uh, Habs ribbing from time to time. I thought I would ask the question, in your opinion, Mm -hmm. what would be the better scenario? Okay. Um, That the Leafs knock the Habs out in four or five games, so that... So there's no game. So that they don't get any fans, Mm -hmm. or would you rather see them win it in game six in front of all their fans that finally get back Mm -hmm. in the building? I'd love to take the sadistic approach, but like, I would rather... (sighs) I would rather bring some happiness into 2,500 people's <laughs> lives right now. And even, like, I can't speak for them, but, like, I would rather be at a Leafs game and watch them lose than in my house for another fucking minute. That's fair. So, uh, if I'm a Habs fan, I would rather be there. And I think that that might be a huge, huge thing for those people. So, I'm going to take the nice approach and be like, I would rather see that game happen. At least fucking win that game all day, but <laughs> I, I I take that scenario as well, but not for the same nice okay. that, that oh, you boy. I just you're not gonna be, be the bigger man. I just think it'd be hilarious to make them play in front of their fans and lose and have all these people waste their money. But, oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Carrie Price lets in fucking four on eight hmm. in the first period. That'd be great. Speaking of which, what did you think of Carrie Price freaking out? Because that was a huge fucking conversation on uh, on the internet there yesterday. Any thoughts? I didn't really try to read into it don't too much. Yeah. Like, I, it just kind of happened. It it did. It just it just kind of happened. But like, yeah. I um, it was like Habs fans were like, "Oh, nice, we got Carrie's mad, fucking rights. He's mad." And then Leafs fans were like, "Yeah, he's fucking mad, right on." And I'm like, "He's terrible. Like, it doesn't matter if he's mad right now. He needs to fucking figure out how to stop the puck. I don't care if we're getting like." If that means playoff carry prices unleashed or not, it's got nothing to do with it. He's got to figure out how to yeah. stop the puck right now. He he is probably upset with himself and where he's at as a player. That's what I've read it more And as. I don't see anything more. No, that, like, so. because here's the thing. If he uh, was upset with the team in front of him, he had every chance to leave years ago. And he signed a fucking $80 million extension to stay there. Yeah. He could have left. He didn't. 
So I think he's okay with the team in front of him at this point. Mm-hmm. He's got to be. It's his fault. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's maybe turn our attention here uh, for the last little bit and uh, just talk about what we've seen so far, what we've mm-hmm. liked, our thoughts on uh, on the series, uh, starting with. Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins in a one-one uh, series tie against the New York Hockey Islanders in the four seed. Uh, a lot closer than I, I thought it was going to be, uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, the weird development in that series has been it's it's like seems like it's the Islanders trying to open the series up, and the Penguins are the one closing yeah. it down. Like I'll say this: the Penguins are doing a better job on Matt Barzell than I ever really imagined that they could on a player like Mark Bar- Matt, Matt, uh, Mark Barzell. Uh, Matt Barzell. I'm not, like, I'm not a huge Barzell guy, but uh, I think they've done a better job against him than I was really anticipating, and that's kind of, you know, stopped the Islanders from really getting anything going most of the series. I think uh, I think Tristan Jari is terrible, and I think that's <laughs> that's part of what happened in Game 1. Um, so yeah, I, I still, I still like my prediction of Penguins in six there, or seven or whatever I took them. I I think the Penguins are still going to pull it out, but it's been a good series. I've talked to a lot of people who who really, uh, haven't enjoyed it. I think it's been really exciting. I think it's been a lot faster than, uh, I anticipated it would be. The, uh, Islanders goalie change was something that I did not see coming. That's kind of neat. Obviously, um, uh, Varlamov's your guy, right, all season long, by all accounts, looked great. Mm Mm-hmm. But to make that that switch after you know how well you know game one went, um, and then they of course they lose game two. Uh, I think it's uh, asking more questions at this point than if you would have just stuck with uh, you know the starter from game one, and then if you lose game two, well now okay now it's obvious. Well we can turn back to to, to Varlamov now. But it's amazing how shattered the perception of goaltending is right now in the NHL because like there's only a handful of teams where. You know, things would have to get really fucking messy for them to go to their other goalie in a series. You know what I mean? Like, Tampa, uh, and maybe that's only because they don't have another option. Yeah. Um, You know, Winnipeg. But, like, it's not a very long list, right? Where, like, even if Grubauer got lit up uh, games three and four, like, they might go to a different guy game five, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, that wouldn't be a good move. But, yeah, it's it's been interesting, the fact that the Islanders were just, just as confident, really, to throwing a guy that hadn't played in a few games. So, yeah, it's it's neat. Caps-Bruins, three games in, three games of overtime. Uh, been a really exciting series. I've, I've watched uh, I've watched all the overtime. I've missed most of the games, but I, uh, I always find a way to uh, watch the overtime. trap show, yes. Yeah. Uh, Boston up in the series 2-1 to one after a bit of a blunder in Game 3 uh, from uh, uh, Ilya Samsonov behind his own net, misplays the puck, and a uh, nice little easy tap-in and double overtime for the Bruins to jump out to a series lead. Um, Bruins uh, looking dangerous. Yeah. That that top, top line. Yeah, Taylor Hall looks good, eh? Well, yeah. Crazy. Funny how that works. Yeah, no, it's it's that's been a good series. I really enjoyed that one. That's uh, That was one, like, right from the get-go where Boston looked asleep that first game, I thought, and sort of gradually got it going, but the first 10, 20 minutes, yeah, probably 10, 15 minutes of that first game was all caps, like, I was like, holy fuck, this is not gonna go well, and, um, the Bruins have slowly, slowly taken over that series, and that's been kind of neat to watch, not that surprising, I don't think, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Ovechkin's mad now, though, so... Oh, he looks like he's on a mission. 
Ovi. He's <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't mad before. He's mad now. He was playing like he was a twenty-five-year-old again. Uh, it's been great to watch. Yeah, he is out there just hucking his body around like he don't give a fuck. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm hoping this one goes seven. I'll, I'll say that much. If, if all seven games go to overtime, I'm okay with that too. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have full respect for the guy in, like, the Call of Duty game where instead of, like, going in strategically as a group, like, a guy just runs into a fucking room and starts shooting everybody, and that's Ovechkin. He's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna, if I get hurt, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's cool. Um, now for the only matchup that you would uh, normally only get if uh, they were to meet in the Seneca Finals, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators, oh. uh, Carolina up 2-0 on that one. Boy, the Preds look like a... A team out of, out of its league in, in this matchup, uh, wouldn't you say? Um, can't really seem to get anything going. Uh, game one was, by all accounts, a, a, a big disaster. The the Hurricanes uh, really controlled the tempo from the from the opening puck drop. Game two, the, the Preds come out, and to their credit, they try to change things up. They come out, they play the physical game. They try to get a little nasty, and, uh, and they still lose. Um, I, I don't know if... Uh, if we're headed anywhere beyond the 4-0 sweep at this point, and, and unless there's something that you've seen uh, to suggest that the no. Predators might have some some life here. No, I think uh, I think this was the only series I took a sweep, eh? And I still stand by it. I, I've i watched a, a decent amount of that one. That's been the uh, laptop game, I'll watch it during the commercial of whatever's on my TV kind of game. So I haven't paid super close attention to it, but I haven't really seen much from the Predators to lead me to believe. The only the only thing I'll say, and I like I think he's good, but there are there are weaknesses to Alex Nedeljkovic's game. It's possible the Predators steal a game or two, just based on blunders. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't bet on it. You know. Yeah. Um, Battle of Florida. We talked a little bit about it earlier with Sam Bennett and, and everything going on there. The Lightning up two and zero. Oh. After two really exciting hockey games, this is giving me pretty much everything I asked for in this series, except for the fact that it looks like one team is not really going to have much of a shot if 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 it continues on this way. Like the the Panthers have been good, but the mm-hmm. Lightning, they just they're just a little bit better, and like every time that they have to come through with something, they find a way to come through. And the Panthers don't really seem to have that it factor, whatever whatever it might be. Maybe it is Braden Point. Uh, maybe it's as simple as that. But uh, yeah, through two, the Lightning up 2-0. The defending champs looking to stay alive here. And uh, Panthers, it would be a shame to see them squander what is, by all accounts, the, the best team that they've ever had in franchise history. Yeah, you know, that, that's a pretty that's a pretty decent analysis of the series. Um I'll, this is one series. I haven't missed a minute of that series, and I don't. I don't. I don't really plan to. Like, I'm gonna miss. We're missing some of it right now, I think. But like, I'm gonna watch that tomorrow. That's a fucking awesome series. So, um, here's my thought on that one. I think the Panthers have largely been the better team in the series. Uh, the issue with the Panthers so far has been similar to what the issue was with the Leafs under Mike Babcock for me. They have the puck all the time. And they just run around on the perimeter with it. They can't get the puck to the middle. They've had the puck most of the series. And then they'll make a mistake and then Tampa sort of capitalizes on it. Tampa's not a team you can make mistakes against. And it's almost like Florida just doesn't know how to get it to the middle half the time. And that's kind of been the challenge. Because when they do that, they're scoring. Um, but they seem to struggle there. And whether or not that's going to get better 
over the course of the series. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like I said, I was I was really kind of pulling for Florida only for the simple fact that I, I want to see them succeed, and and I think the first step in doing that is is to beat a, a, your biggest rival by all accounts. And you know, Tampa's if, good, if, but we're all sick of Tampa at this point. I think they, a little yeah. bit, right? Like I'm not I'm not going to be upset if they win the cup, but like especially I've had a little bit of enough of them. For it, now. it would be a lot different, especially if we were talking about Tampa being up two zero after two games in Tampa. Sure. But now John Cooper is going to have last change. He's going to be able to, like, really exert his will on how the game is played. And look, Coach Cusa, he's one of the all-time greats. I'm not saying that it's going to be a big disadvantage for him, but he had an opportunity to flex his muscle as a coach. Didn't really seem to work out for whatever reason. So, mm-hmm. game one was neat too because like both goalies were making insane saves, and then would let in just fucking. Like, just shit that they should have all day kind of thing. Like, that that was a weird one for me. Like, that's what I'm sort of interested to see is what version of both goaltenders do we get in Game 3? Because I don't know what we're really going to get out of Dreger, assuming he's starting. You know? Sounds like he is. Yeah. And then... I think that's the right call. And then you don't you can't go to Spencer Knight in Game 4. It wouldn't make a lot of sense, anyway. No. Game 3 would be the game, you would think. Yeah. Yeah. Avalanche Blues again, another series that we talked a little bit about. Uh, Avalanche up two to zero in this one. The Blues, I, I think we kind of nailed it perfectly. I think the only hope that they have at this yeah, point we're doing is, great, is if the uh, the Kadri hit kind of swings the momentum here. And the Blues, to their credit, like I said, in after the hit, you know they had like twelve shots in the last uh, ten minutes of that that game or so. Uh, they looked like a team that was on a mission just ran out of gas and if, if they can play with that same sort of mentality at home for two games and if Jordan Bennington can steal you one mm-hmm. we're talking about potentially them getting their themselves back in the series but the Avs are like that is that is the best hockey I've seen a team play in a while they're they're really good when the top line and the top pairing are on the ice and um the Blues just don't have enough right now to counter it. Like, I, I could see, as good as the Avalanche are, there are teams that I think could beat them in the playoffs, but I just, they're so outmatched against the Blues, right? Like, I think the only other team where, um, the only other team where they might feed on them a little, like, to that level is is maybe Montreal. But aside from that, it's, uh, it's a complete mismatch there, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I took Avs in five. And I'm, 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 I'm with you. Like I get the Jordan Binnington factor, but like Binnington stole them game one, and they still lost. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I don't know how much, how much more he can really do. We'll see. We'll see if getting you know David Perron back in the lineup, being at home, we'll see if any of those factors make a difference. Perron but, has been their best player this year, aside yeah. from O'Reilly. So I mean, yeah, it's it's possible that makes a huge difference, but we'll see. Uh, this has been a fun one. I've I've watched uh, both games of this series. I, I guess I'm going to miss Game Three tonight, but maybe I'll do your your thing and, and watch tomorrow. Golden Knights, Wild, tied at one. <laughs> Marc Andre Fleury, a, a man possessed. <laughs> that first game, there were five or six saves that he made that like just left me open mouthed, mm-hmm. just jaw dropped, and. Uh, not not to take anything away from the dude because uh, like Flurry's definitely the better goaltender, but Cam Talbot looked really fucking solid in Game One. There, like forty two saves or something like that in the shutout, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been no slouch in this series either. Um, again, tied at one. 
really fun. I think the Wild are that, that one team that the Golden Knights uh, didn't want to play. They got to do it now. And we head back to the XL Center where the Golden Knights have never won a game in regulation. Could be interesting. Yeah. I've enjoyed yeah. it. I don't know. Maybe I give the Golden Knights more credit than I should here. But I felt when Marcia so scored to make it 1-1 there the other night that that just fucking unleashed a whole other level for them. Like, that was... Uh, I've watched them a lot this year. That was some of the best hockey I've seen them play was that period and a half after they opened the scoring... Or not opened the scoring. After they scored in response to the Wilds' first goal there 18 seconds after. Like, they needed that so bad. And it, and if that festered longer, I'm I'm fairly certain we would see a 2-0 wild lead right now uh, with Talbot having posted back-to-back shutouts. Like, they they looked so flat uh, compared to what they normally look like. Just lacking confidence is what it felt like. Marcia so scored, and they looked like a completely different team. And it yep. felt like a completely different series. And um, that version of the Golden Knights is going to beat the Wild all day long. But I don't know if that's the way it's going to go in Game 3, right? Like, to your point, like, they've never won there. The Wilds are, are no slouch, so... They've taken home ice back. Yeah. With, with winning game one. Yeah. Right? That was the job. Yeah. So... I, uh... Yeah, I think we're all waiting for Kirill Kaprizov to blow our socks off and haven't I'm, seen too much from him yet. I'm but falling for the Wild in this He's one. had his moments. Uh, I, I'm not, but that's fine. <laughs> I like the Wild, but... Eh. I just, you know what? I'm I'm sick of watching the fucking Gold Knights. You, you oh, got two, like you that. got two conference final appearances in four years as a franchise. Go go suffer for a year or so. Did they make it to the conference final last year? They did, I guess. Hey, against Dallas. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like I w- I will say this is um, there's no team that I think has felt more cursed to me in the last three years than the Golden Knights do because the three ways that they've gone out in the playoffs are. Uh, like they should be doing better than they are. Like <laughs> they're losing to teams that they're better. Than. They lose in the Cup final in their mm-hmm. first year, right? Maybe they shouldn't have been there, but like they lose the Cup final that year. Even Alex Tuck with the fucking open net and Braden Holtby makes what I what I consider to be the greatest save I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so that happens. Okay, that would have tied the game with like a minute left at home. That that was it. Then they lose the fucking uh, Sharks off of oh. <laughs> Horrible call to Cody Eakin. Sharks score three on the fucking power play and make the comeback, and then they lose in overtime. And then they lose last year to the Dallas Stars, who have a career backup goaltender who's five foot two in the fucking net. And they somehow, over what, what five or six games, had like a 979 save percentage against Golden Knights, who had even just gotten goalied the previous series. They're, like, they're fucking cursed, man. <laughs> like, it's it's like it's like you know what I mean. Like uh, this is the price they had to pay uh, to get into so. the league and to get all these good players. It's like yeah, but your your playoff losses are gonna hurt, man. Like you you're gonna fucking you're gonna learn real quick uh, what it's like to be a hockey fan. So uh, I kind of want them to overcome that, but it is moderately funny that they continue to lose in just how the fuck are they losing this series sort of fashion. The year, the first year they missed the playoffs, they'll win the draft lottery or something. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, they need a center. Uh, they're good at their lottery games in Vegas, I hear. So. Yeah. Um, Oilers-Jets. We saw game one uh, just last night. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. If like, Very good. I, I, I think 
it, it's a shame that the uh, the idea that the only way the Jets are going to win this series is if they can shut down Conor McDavid because playoff Conor McDavid, I'm here for. Like let's let's go. I want to see this guy at the highest stakes playing the best hockey in the world. And then the Jets came out and were just like, oh, I'm going to just like not let you skate anywhere and let you have the puck at all. And that's what they have to do, to their credit, and they did it. And yeah. well, it just kind of made for a boring hockey game. I, I agree with you for the most part, but I will say this, is that uh, a healthy Nikolai Ehlers would probably change that a little bit. Sure. Because they can, they're going to need to open up the offense once he's ready to go. Um because I mean, like I, I watched. They, they didn't deserve to win last night. I didn't think either. Like they just sort of got some bounces, and Hellebuck was unbelievable. Oh, that was really so good. you know, like if they're going to do that a bunch of times, that's fine. But if they play that exact same game again for game two, like I think the Oilers are going to win. Yeah, and I think eventually Connor McDavid's going to find a way out of that. So I think the only real way to counter that is you need to make use of the time when Ehlers is on the ice because he's your McDavid, and um, not nearly as good. But you know. They they have to find a way to to almost open it up if they're gonna hope to have success. I mean, they can try to shut him down every game like that, but um, that's gonna be completely reliant on Hellebuck making those saves. And I I don't I don't know that it's gonna continue to happen to that level. But yeah, like uh, the, the, I, I still think the Oilers are gonna win that series. But the Jet, the Jets only took the one penalty, uh, the Paul Stasny high yeah. stick there. And like there were there were a few infractions against McDavid where I thought, you know, this is this is a guy that should be allowed the freedom on the ice to to do what he does, and I get it. Like that's not a plan for the Jets. Like that's that's not their their. <laughs> they shouldn't just walk into the in the dressing room and say, oh, we can't oh. touch him. Like we should let him do his thing. But like there should have been. They're some the least calls. penalized team in the league, though. Yeah. Like I do actually think that is part of their plan, and. and they used to be the most penalized team in the league. That's the most hilarious thing, too, is, like, they've gotten worse, and yet somehow they take less penalties. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I mean, but I guess what you're getting at is that it's not like that's a reliable game plan every night. So, well, we just stay out of the box and keep their power play off the ice. But, you know, they generally don't, they don't get away with a lot of stuff either. Like, they're a pretty honest hockey team is what I guess I would say about them. So... I don't know. I could see them winning the series. I mean, they're obviously up one nothing. They got off to a good start. You but... get the better goalie, yeah, and you can absolutely win the series. Oh, so. well, and here's my article about how Mike Smith actually was the best goalie in the league this year. Uh, that leaves us with one series, which, again, has yet to get underway. Uh, Leafs and Habs oh. set to go right. tonight, game one. Um, since we can't talk about what has happened mm. in the series, let's talk about what has happened in the history of... Of these two teams, oh no! Uh, with a quiz, and I'm going to give you a quiz. Oh no! To kind of fill because we're, we're doing really good on time here. We're actually we're we're ahead of uh, schedule. Is so. Dick Duff one of the answers, or uh, this this is off the athletic? This is Sean McIndoe. Down oh, goes Browns. Christ. How well do you know the history of the Maple Leafs Canadian rivalry? And uh, I took it myself. I'm going to Google Steve uh, Shut the before other... <laughs> the fucking quiz starts to see if maybe I can scrounge up an answer here. Uh, the other night. And I thought, you know what? There, there's a nice little nice little reference that you're going to like. And I thought, this is this is great. We can use this to fill in our, our gap time about uh, Leafs and Habs. And a placeholder, if you will, till next week when we can properly uh, break down what has happened okay. uh, to that point. So Steve Shutt had a 60-goal season? He had a couple, I thought. Good uh, God. No, just one. But okay. that's fucked. Anyway, uh, there's 20 questions, and we'll we'll, we'll try to we'll try to get through this as as painlessly as possible, and uh, and see how much 
Brutus Battaglia knows about uh, this, the NHL's most storied rivalry. I gotta tell you, they got him listed as 180 pounds here on Wikipedia, and the picture is from an alumni game in 08. He ain't 180 pounds, I'll tell you that for free. Mm. A couple post-game brewskis, perhaps. Well, that'll happen. He's fucking 68 now. Uh, are you ready, sir? Mm-hmm. Okay. Question one. The Leafs and Canadians have met in the playoffs 13 times. This will be the 14th. They've okay. met 13 times. How far back do you have to go to find the most recent meeting in which the winning team in that series did not go on to win the Stanley Cup? Ooh. Was it 1979? Was it 1972? Was it 1963? 1959? Or the winner of all 13 Leafs-Habs playoff series has gone on to win the Cup? 79, 73. 79, 72, 63, 59. 63, 59. Or, or, or every time they play. No, does, that, that last one doesn't sound right. 79, eh? The last time the winner didn't win the cup is what you're saying? Right. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's go with the 50s one. What was it? What was it? 52? 59. Yeah, we'll go 59. We'll go 59. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, that's incorrect. Okay. Uh, the Habs won the cup that year. Oh, no. They beat the Leafs on their way. That was their fifth in a row, actually, mm. 1959. Um, now, there's there was a bit of a trick question for those listening at home, because in 1972, you might be thinking, well, hey, the Boston Bruins won the cup that year, but the Leafs and Habs didn't meet in the playoffs anyway, so it doesn't really doesn't really count as a, as a year that they, they did meet. Mm. Uh, the answer is that uh, every time that these two teams no, have met... I didn't met, listen to that part actually every could two, have done the math every on time these two teams have met uh, the winner has won the Stanley Cup hmm. all 13 times okay uh, question two of the 13 playoff matchups between the Leafs and Canadians how many have gone to seven games zero one three five or six let's go one go one and that's correct. The 1964 semifinals went to seven games. Mm-hmm. I remember it fondly. The Maple Leafs won 3-1 to one with a uh, hat-trick from Dave Keon. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, question three, Brutes. Uh, who is the all-time leading scorer among players who suited up for both the Leafs and Canadians at some point in their careers? Was it Dickie Moore? Was it Doug Gilmore? Was it Vincent Damfus? Mark Recchi? Or Frank the Big M. Mahovlich. I have a really bad habit of not listening to these questions tonight oh. for some reason. What was the question? Who I heard the, the players. Who is the all-time leading scorer among players who stood up for both the Leafs and Canadians at some point? In their so career? not, not, but just all-time on the points list. Yep. Like who has the most points of those guys? Yep. Gilmore, Mahovlich, Moore, Damfus, Recchi. Fuck, those are, those are tricky players to group together because they're all similar. In just like most, I can't see it being Dickie Moore. Uh, I doubt it's Mahavlish. I think it's got to be Gilmore. Going Gilmore? Yeah. My guess was Mahavlish for the record. Okay. Uh, Mark Reckie never played for Toronto, so he was out. <laughs> because, I didn't that part. Because Mark Reckie was ahead of Doug Gilmore. Yeah. But. Doug Gilmore is the correct answer. Yeah, it was well, it was between Don Foos and, and thing for me anyway. But yeah, that's true. Recky never played for the Leafs. Thank God. I didn't really like him. I don't know why. Uh, question four. 
This will be the first playoff meeting between the Leafs and Habs since back-to-back years in 78 and 79. True. With Montreal sweeping both matchups. Which player led both teams in scoring over those two combined series? Was it Larry Robinson? Was it Steve Shutt? Was it Guy Lafleur? Was it Jacques Lemaire? Or was it Daryl Sittler? See, hmm. Sean's a hard quiz master to read, you know? He really is. Because, like, he could have thrown Sittler in there because he wanted to brag about it. But more likely, like, it's just, it's a weird name to throw out there to really try to throw you off. And how do you lead a, a series in which you get swept twice? I mean, I have one advantage here. I happen to have Steve Shutt's Wikipedia page open. Uh, I had a lot of points, but so did everyone back then. <laughs> Hmm. I'm going to go Larry Robinson. Interesting. The, yeah. the big bird. Yeah. Uh, as Sean says, sometimes the obvious answer is the right one. Uh, Guy Lafleur had 16 points in eight games. Son of a bitch. Sittler managed uh, just eight. eight Never points. liked smoking Guy. Hmm. All right, next question. The last Stanley Cup final between the two teams came, of course, of course, 1967. Oh, okay. With the underdog Leafs winning in an upset. Mm-hmm. Most fans will remember... Pepperidge Farms remembers uh, <laughs> right. George Armstrong's empty netter to seal a 3-1 win in Game 6 for the Leafs. Yes, of course. Who scored the game-winning goal? Okay. Ron Ellis, Jim Pappen, Bob Pulford, Dave Keon, or that one was also George Armstrong? Uh, I think that one was also George Armstrong. Uh, that's incorrect. We God were, damn it! We Why were... do we have a statue of this fucking guy then? <laughs> Trying to win a quiz here. <laughs> Most games play. Most games play. It's my, he is my guy. Yeah, uh, Jim Pappen was the correct answer. Ooh, uh, I'm uh, not that familiar with him. I've heard of him, but it's the only reason I know him is that he won. He was the last uh, game-winning goal for a cup team. By his career, I'm gonna look that up. I don't you, think it was all that good. Okay. Uh, all right. This is one you'll remember. All right. Perhaps the most memorable regular season game yeah, of the good. modern era between these two teams came in 06-07 in the season finale. <sighs> With the teams meeting in Toronto and a shot at the final playoff spot on the line. The Maple Leafs won a wild 6-5 game to eliminate Montreal. Which player had a natural hat-trick in the game? Is it Kyle Wellwood, Chris Higgins, Brian McCabe, Michael Ryder, or Brutes? Was it your close friend, Bates, Bataglia? kind of thought it was Sundin. Um, Kyle Wellwood, Chris Higgins, Bates, Bataglia... Brian McCabe. Brian McCabe. Or Michael Ryder. The natural hat-trick in the game. I'll go Brian McCabe. Brian McCabe. The old can opener. That's my guy. Um, Michael Ryder had a yeah. second period natural hat-trick going uh, from a 3-1 deficit to a 4-3 Vaguely remember lead. that. Thank you, Wade Dublowitz. Um, Good stuff. Which player, who is probably better remembered as a Maple Leaf, shares the record for the highest jersey number ever worn by a Montreal Canadian? <laughs> Oh my god. Is it Doug yes! Gilmore? Yes! Is it Doug Gilmore, Mikhail Grabowski, Yannick Perot, Sergei Berezin, or Jonas Hoagland? Well, James, uh, I, I distinctly remember Yannick Perot wearing 94 in Montreal because he wore 94 on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I believe when his good friend Sergei Berezin got there, he said, Well, I can't take fucking 94 because Yannick Perot was fucking. So he took 95. And unless. Like, Grabowski had a fucked up number when he was there that I'm forgetting. 
pretty sure it's Sergey Berezin mm. with 95, I'll even say. Uh, Doug Gilmore, of course, 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. Yannick Pro wore 94. Mm-hmm. Mikhail Kabrowski was the first player ever to wear the number 84. I thought he wore a different number in Montreal for some reason. Um, and you were correct. Sergey Berezin, number 95, along with line mates number 93, number 94, Gilmore and Perot. Um, That's a weird they line. are the highest numbered line in the history of the NHL. You know, that's smart, though. Like, get Perot to take the draw, and then Gilmore could play center, because Perot wasn't all that good no. by that point. No. No. He's just a wartime hockey player. According to legend, which Canadians star did Leafs GM Frank Selke utter that quote about? Was it Maurice Richard, Toe Blake, Bill Durnham, Elmer Latch, or Jean Beliveau? I don't know. Elmer Lack. Elmer Lack. Oh, we're looking for Maurice Richard. His okay. rookie season, of course, coming in 44-45 <laughs> with the 50-50. and 50. All right. Well, no How doubt, am I doing here? Like, am oh, I like two for 30 or something I don't know. This is question here? number nine. So, Like, I've failed the class you, by got, this point. You've got three, three right, I think. Three okay. or four. Three or three or four. While no doubt best known for his time in Toronto, Darcy Tucker was a Canadian's draft pick who mm-hmm. played his rookie year in Montreal. That's right. Years later... Which have achieved instant legend status, legend status, by delivering a flying forearm to Tucker's uh, face late yeah. in a Montreal-Toronto blowout. Can I fill in the blank? You sure could. It's uh, Alexei Kovalev. Uh, he is one of the options. That's what I'm going with, and he is the correct answer. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I remember it. Sean uh, quotes it as being hilarious. It was it was really funny to be honest with you. Like it wasn't like the Alfredson one. Like I'm still mad about the Alfredson hit, but like. The Kovalev thing was hilarious. Come on. Canadian's legend, Ken Dryden. You know Ken Dryden? Yeah. Heard of him? He's a weird clapper. Uh, what? <laughs> you ever notice when he's clapping after the overtime wins all the time? His fucking, like, toupees kind of flying around, and he's clapping really emphatically. Holds his arms kind of close to his body. Claps weird. I've watched a lot of old YouTube videos of Leafs scoring overtime goals, so I've seen it many times. Corey Cross. Canadian's netminder and weird clapper Ken Dryden went on to cross the rivalry line when he became the Maple Leafs team president and briefly their general manager. Which former teammate from Montreal did Dryden reportedly try to hire as Leafs GM? Is it Bob Gainey, Jacques Lemaire, Serge Savard, Guy Carboneau, or John Ferguson Sr.? Uh, if it's anything like his son. <laughs> uh, he didn't even need to make it to the junior or senior part. It was just, uh. um, Bob Gainey seems to make the most sense, I think. So I would, I'll would, i go Bob Gainey. I'll go Bob Gainey here. Oh, that is correct. Mm, thank God. Mm. Uh, he was thwarted. I like how this didn't even happen. And I'm like, well, if it's yeah. got to be any of them, like, well, I guess Bob Gainey. MLSC's board of directors said uh, no to that one for whatever reason. Too bad. Uh, one of the biggest moments in the modern rivalry was Pat Burns quitting as Habs coach in 92 and jumping to the Leafs on the same day. When Burns made his heavily hyped return to Montreal the following season, which unlikely Maple Leaf scored a highlight reel goal on Patrick Waugh to help Toronto to a 5-4 win. You might recall Pat Burns with the big windmill fist pump afterwards. Uh, this was in response to that goal. Bob Rouse, Bill Berg, Todd Gill, Sylvain Lavray, or Ken Baumgartner. Who was the uh, who was the defenseman that pulled off that uh, amazing end-to-end goal? Fave Gardner, Todd uh, Gill, Todd Bill, Gill Berg, or Bill Berg, or Bob Rouse. I don't. I don't even think I know who that is. Bob Rouse. 
Is that a guy no. I should know? I think he was in the... Uh, it wasn't the Gilmore trade. He was in... That'd be a better trade. question. Ask me to name the Gilmore trade, like, as if I could fucking Ooh, name wow, any of all them. ten players, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I could name a fucking single asset, really. I'd have to think about it a long time. Uh, I will... I'm a, the, Bill Berg sounded right to me, so I'll go Bill Berg. Hmm. I almost went Ken Baumgartner, though, and I'm going to kick myself when it's in. Todd Gill is the credit. Yeah, answer. yeah. all right, fair enough. enough. Um, Bob Rouse was in the Al I. Freddy trade, for what it's right. worth. Right, yeah, no, yeah. that's what the I was thinking. The classic Al I. Yeah, Freddy of course, trade. that's what I was thinking. Um, all right, Bruce. Uh, which legendary Maple Leafs performance came against the Canadians, right? Was it Bobby Bond's overtime goal on a broken leg? Was it Matt Sundin's 500th career goal? No. Was it Daryl Sittler's 10-point night? Don't think so. Was it Bill Barocco's overtime cup winner? Ooh. Or was it Ian Turnbull's five-goal game? What was the first one? Bobby Bond's overtime goal on a broken leg. Yeah. You can talk it out. No. I know you know one of them's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen, again, seen that YouTube video of the Sundin goal a few times. I, I could probably tell you everyone that was on the ice at the time. Uh, well, there weren't many leaps. <laughs> you you could play it on your laptop, and I could be hearing it and tell you what's on the screen, probably. Mm-hmm. So, um, having said that, I don't know that much about these other four things. I all know they happened. The Sittler thing just feels like I feel like we would know that. I feel like that would be a larger known fact, probably. Uh, the Turnbull one, like maybe, but. I feel like the odds are pretty good on Bobby Bond, and I can't. Like I want to say they were playing Boston, but no, I'm gonna go Bob Bond. It just seems right. Oh, Bobby Bond. Go Bobby Bond. The broken leg. Well, it's incorrect. Damn. Bobby Bond scored his overtime goal against the Detroit Red Wings. Daryl Sittler had his ten point net against the Boston Bruins. Well, fucking rights. Yeah. Yeah. Ian Turnbull. Take that, Boston. Was also against Detroit. We're looking for the diving defensive play oh, of Bill Barocco. I kind of forgot that was one of the options. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, there's a, the famous photo of his dive. you got Maurice Richard in the foreground looking back, actually. Good. Uh, the two teams don't trade often, but one of their most infamous deals was the Russ Cortnell for John Cordick swap in 1988. What else was involved in the trade? Was it the Leafs got a sixth-round pick, the Canadians got a third-round pick, the Leafs got the right to rob Ramage, the Canadians got Lucien Dubois, or the trade was one for one? Uh, I think Rob Ramage. It sounds right to Rob me. Ramage. Rob Ramage. Uh, it was a six-round pick. To ah. the yeah. Uh, they picked Michael Dewars, who topped out with 12 goals in the ECHL. Right. So, uh, Sean says the Leafs won the trade. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, a slightly more important trade. Although he never played a game for the Canadians, which future Hall of Famers rights were originally owned by Montreal oh, before being dealt God. to the Maple Leafs. Was it Teeter Kennedy, Johnny Bauer, Sil Apps, Dave Keon, or Lanny McDonald? Oh, okay. So I confused myself when you were reading the question because uh, I I don't remember if it happened or it was just a rumor, but there was a point where the Canadians were talking about acquiring uh, Matt Sundin's rights. I maybe I might not have ever even happened. I don't remember. He didn't go. Uh, by the way, uh, okay. So there's Teeter Kennedy. Uh, there, who who else? Johnny Bauer. Johnny Bauer. Sil- I've heard of him. Sil Apps. Yeah. Davy Keon. Lenny McDonald. 
I'll go Dave Keon. Dave Keon. Yeah. I like that. I like that guess. Uh, Ted Kennedy was what we're looking oh, for. Fuck, yeah. Sometimes the most obvious answer is the one you should go with. But uh, we were about to get this matchup this year back in 2013, right up until the final game of the regular season. Okay, 2013 history. Now we're talking my alley. Which Boyd team, Devereaux? Which no, he team's wasn't there win in a Sunday finale prevented a Toronto Montreal matchup? And sent the Leafs to their doom against the Boston Bruins instead. <laughs> was it the Detroit Red Wings, the Washington Capitals, the Ottawa Senators, the Buffalo Sabres, or the Winnipeg Jets? Buffalo Sabres. I'm so sorry, my guy. It was the Ottawa Senators, the one and only time that they did something bad to the Leafs in the playoffs. Yeah. That's, well, yeah, I'll give them credit to that win. We all remember the 93 playoffs. Oh, God, this perhaps, just keeps going. Perhaps such, some Fuck. of us less than Getting others. Getting killed here. Yeah. Getting our asses fucking kicked out here. Kerry Fraser's missed call on a Wayne Gretzky high stick. Have you heard about this? Kerry Fraser uh, missed a call? I'm familiar. Uh, in overtime, that may have cost us a Leafs-Habs matchup in the Stanley Cup final. Gretzky scored a power play goal seconds after the missed call. Which Leaf was in the penalty box when he scored it? Oh, no. Was it Wendell Clark? Was it Glenn Anderson? Was it Mike Foligno? Was it Kent Manderville? Or was it Doug Gilmore? I've seen the goal. I've seen them pan to the box. I feel like it's Kent Manderville. Kent Manderville. All right. We're looking for Glenn Anderson. Ah, I never liked him anyway. Yeah, boarding Rob Blake into the target sign in the dying seconds of regulation. Good. Fuck Glenn Anderson. <laughs> the Leafs and Canadians met in the first game ever played at what was then the Air Canada Center, now right. at the Scotiabank Arena. Here we go. Back in 1999. Fucking uh, Carl Dykehouse. Who scored the overtime winner that night? <laughs> was it Todd Warner? Was it Brian Savage? Was it Steve Thomas? Was it Ladislav Khan? Or was it Vincent Damfus? Oh, buddy, let's go Stumpy Thomas. Let's go Stumpy overtime Thomas. game. Come on. You gotta talk well, overtime. You're talking let's Stumpy fucking Thomas. go here. Uh, that's correct. Um, everyone scored that night, but uh, it was Thomas with the overtime winner. Warner had the first goal in the new building. Some some people get those guys confused. One touch Warner. But... <laughs> One touch Warner. <laughs> All right, question 18. You're in Toronto, and you find yourself standing between two famous murals. One depicting the Canadians, and one of the Maple Leafs. Where are you? Oh, god damn it. Are you at the entrance to the Art Gallery of Ontario? The underpass park below the DVP? The alley behind what used to be Maple Leaf Gardens? The College Street subway station? Or the Tim Hortons across from the Scotiabank Arena? Oh, I don't think I've ever been to this place. It doesn't ring a bell. I got this one wrong, because I don't live in Toronto. Yeah, like I've been to the art gallery. I've no, I don't even know where that possibly would be. So that doesn't seem right to me. Uh, I think, I mean, I've obviously been to the fucking Tim Hortons outside the Scotiabank Arena. I have no recollection of that being there. Uh, I'll go, I'll, I'll go the alley, Maple Leaf Gardens, maybe. Okay. I don't, I don't think I've ever actually been to Maple Leaf Gardens, or at least not since I was like very young. So. Yeah. Um, it's the College Subway Station. Apparently it's very famous. If you take the subway in Toronto, you see it. But we don't, because we don't live there. So Yeah, no, I've, I've never taken it. Uh, Harold Ballard sued the artist uh, for using the Leaf logo. Uh, so For fuck's sakes, guy. <sighs> in rock... more, of a, more of a Keith Ballard guy myself, <laughs> yeah. but... In Rock Carrier's The Hockey Sweater, this a little boy crazy. in Montreal is forced, oh, to, I read that. is forced to play hockey while wearing a Maple Leaf sweater Poor instead bastard. of the Canadian's one he asked for. Yeah. At the end of the story, what does he do to get himself kicked out of the game and sent to church to ask for forgiveness? Does he punch a linesman? Does he tear off the Maple Leaf logo? Does he swear at the referee? Does he break his hockey stick? 
or nothing. He just kicks out. He just gets kicked out for wearing a maple leaf sweater. This is a weird story, eh? Um, uh, I, I don't rips off the logo. Seems to ring a bell. Uh, maybe that. Okay. That what might just that? be wishful thinking. Uh, he breaks his hockey stick. Yeah. Yeah. It is a weird story. The boy's mother ordered the leaf sweater from Mr. Eaton on purpose. Oh, as a last, last ditch effort to have her kid not be such a whiny little brat. Uh, and the last that. question. The last question for you. We'll end the misery here. Thank Christ. Finally. This is, uh, I'm like the Habs, you're the Leafs right now. Yeah. This is fucking brutal. I get my asses kicked out here. For no other reason than it's fun to remember some guys. Which of these 80s... <laughs> I love remembering guys. We need to do a bonus episode where just we just remember, remember guys. guys. Like, right. hey, just remember Joseph Stumpel? Be like, guys. yeah, true. Yeah. Remember Jason Allison? Yeah, they were teammates. Yeah, crazy. Which of these 80s and 90s names did not play for both the Leafs and Canadians? Uh, Sergio Mameso, Dave Manson, <laughs> Gary Lehman, Gerald Didick, or Peter Svoboda? Svoboda, I think... Did. Um, who was the second guy? Uh, Dave Manson. Yeah, he played for both. I'm pretty, pretty sure. Fuck. We were just talking Dave Manson on the podcast. How long ago? And now I don't fucking remember. Uh, who's the first guy? Sergio Mameso. I don't know who that is. I don't think. Am I supposed to know who that is? Yeah. Let's, let's pull up his uh, career high. He sounds Italian, so oh, I should know Italian. who he is. Like He's the only Sergio to ever play the NHL. God, how many Paisans really are there that I don't know? Um, I'm familiar with Robert Battaglia. He was a bit of an enforcer. Hmm. Well, he uh, he's Italian, so he played for both Montreal and the Leafs. Um, who were the other two guys? I Manson, Mameso, and... Lehman. And, oh, there was Gerald Diddick. And Gerald Diddick. See, I don't know anything about... Gary Lehman, really. I know he was good. I, I don't know anything else. I know he about scored it. 50 goals for the Leafs. Because yeah, like, only like three guys have done that. Right. But. Like he sounds, he sounds like he played. I'll go. No, I thought. Did Gerald Diddick play? Hmm, Gary Lehman seems too too obvious. I'll go. S- Man, Manson. Manson played for Chicago, Dallas, Toronto, Dallas again. He was a Jet. I feel like there's a stop in Montreal. I'll go Sergio Mameso. Because I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, Peter Savota. Oh, fuck. The yeah. one guy I was like, oh, Savota. I did Svoboda the exact did same thing. God I, damn I was it. like, oh, yeah, he, he definitely played Svoboda's a weird one, though, right? Like, Peter didn't Peter Svoboda play, like, 180 games over the course of, like, 37 seasons or something? Like, I feel like he had just a... Well, he played more than that. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he had just a seventh defenseman type career. Uh, he played over a thousand games. What the fuck? <laughs> Wasn't yeah. there two Peter Svobodas? Literally like, the, was year, like a, like the his... year this guy retired, another Peter Svoboda came in. Right, I'm yeah. thinking him, yeah, and he barely played. Yeah, oh okay. yeah, just the one season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see how you did here. What's the final tally? Um, oh, God. Six out of 20. Uh, you okay. tried, like the 1980s Maple Leafs, you did your best and hopefully had fun. I did actually have fun. That was enjoyable. I like how that quiz was like the bulk of the episode. That was meant. Mm. (laughs) It's been a it's a good week, you know. It's a Uh, good week. Breaking news: Travis Green uh, close to a contract extension with the Vancouver. That is not how I thought the rest of that Um, sentence was going to go. So I don't know. I I I like Travis Green. I do too. I think Travis Green's a really good coach. To be honest with you, I agree. Um, Yeah. 
it just it's just a flawed roster, right? And it's like like I, I don't really think that the Canucks high end talent is quite as good as people think it is yet. Like, you know what I mean? I think people give Pedersen a lot a lot of credit for being like a top five center in the league, and I don't even think he's close. But I think he's very, very talented, and I think he's going to have an amazing career. But, like, Brock Besser, like, you know, like, he's like a, a poor man's Phil Kessel at this stage kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, early stage Phil Kessel. Quinn Hughes had some trouble this year. Like, you know, I feel like he'll be fine, but he wasn't very good this year. So, like, I, I don't really blame Green for a lot of those struggles. Like, I think he kind of is doing his best, but, you know. And this year was an impossible situation. But Yeah, I'd like to see it happen, um because I'm a big fan and um, if it's not Vancouver I just hope he doesn't you know get shunned or, or lost in the shuffle of green, the, the coaching job put it this way if, if they don't want Green back I think Green doesn't make it 10 days unemployed I think he is hired almost immediately like one team for sure if no one currently active uh, wants him Seattle will take him in a fucking heartbeat hmm. heartbeat they'll take him that's yeah I hope so yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's it for the the pod, this is perfect timing. We, you know, we got like five minutes yeah, to spare. We, we can right? heat our food up and sit down and watch some hockey. Yeah. By the time we make a drink, opening face off. There we go. Yeah, in, in like an hour. Um, <laughs> no, no, the different the game's not on NBC, James. So uh, we won't have to deal with the uh, uh, seven fucking first responder ceremonies before the game. They just they just get straight to business. What do you think that the would, chances would... are tonight? Sorry, go ahead. Ah, no, it's an empty rink, eh? They probably won't do it. Oh, and it's in Toronto. <laughs> it's going to be like, are they going to trot Jeanette Renault out there to sing the anthem? Probably not. I feel like that's a long drive for her from Montreal to Toronto. So it'll be Martina. I was, was going to say, as long as our girl Martina's there, everything will be fine. What if they do something? What if it's like what if it's like Biebs or something, though? Wouldn't it be cool if it was like Justin Bieber tonight? <laughs> That get me fired the fuck up. I don't know about you. No, get Mar- Mar- Martina gets me fired up. No, Martina does. Don't get me wrong, but like if they're, you know. But like if they just had Bieber, Bieber. like singing the, the warm-up song or something like that. Just meet in the middle. It's like Ed Robertson of the Bare Naked Ladies or something. You're like, wow. I thought those guys were like Canucks fans. It's kind been of 42 years since we played. No, they're Leaf fans, aren't they? They're from Toronto, aren't they? I don't know if they're from Toronto, but they are Leaf fans. Okay. They used to do the anthem all the time. Remember that? that right. Was like, the acapella. Yeah. Back when I didn't like yeah. them. Yeah. I should have enjoyed that more. Fuck, the Leafs were cool in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. God damn, they kicked ass. Hopefully they kick ass tonight. Uh, I'm I'm James Cole. You can find me at this podcast. Oh, I thought we had an overrated, underrated favorite. Oh, Leafs wow. Favorite. I totally forgot about that, didn't uh, I? <laughs> Ooh, an oofle. Yeah, as a, as I do. Actually, no, you're right. You're, I do. I absolutely do. Yeah, let's do, do a fun one here quick. All right. Uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite side dishes. So you get your meat, oh, you get your fuck. big, you get your big steak, That's a good one, or your slab of chicken. What, what do you like on the side? What do, I know we've done like potato dishes before, but like let's hmm. let's expand this. Side dishes for a meal, nothing specific. Just just what do you like when when you're trying to? Because I, you know what, this this stems from uh, my girlfriend and I. We, we were making dinner the other night, and it was like, what do you want on the side? And it's like, gosh. Oh, she says a salad. And it's like, oh, we just had salad. And, and so then I was, just, right. I was just like, oh, let's do fries. And she's like, no, let's be healthy. And it's like, we can never really cut. Like, the side is always that one thing that we can never seem to agree on. So Yeah. I I have a hard time eating salad twice in one day when it's like, because I often eat salad for lunch. or for Yeah, for lunch. Like, it's like my main thing for lunch often. And then, like, I'll come home and it's like the side dish. With the meal, and it's yeah. like, I'm salad. I'm out of salad here. Like, I eat salad every day, and it's like for a meal, you know? 
It's not a side dish for me, but it's a, that's not my answer. That's just a that's just a good point you made. My overrated would be fries. Oh wow, overrated. Okay, I, I, look like I I'm I understand there might be people who could eat fries like every day as like a side, but I feel like fries is the side dish for like a lot of things, and I very rarely am like, man, do I want fries? But like I eat a lot of places and things that like fries are the the preferred side dish with. I can only do fries like, like I don't know, like like probably like once a month for me. But like I eat things many times a week where it's like ah fries, you know. Okay. Maybe it's just because I'm around them so much. But Maybe. like I don't know, and I and I think uh, fries are often bad, which is another thing too. So wow, you gotta you gotta you gotta get better fries, my guy. Well, like I mean, we work at a restaurant with like unbelievable fries. Don't get me wrong, and like if if I've just gotten off a shift. Or, like, I'm planning to drink that night. Maybe I don't want fries. Okay. But if I'm just going there for a meal, fuck me up. I'll get some fries with my chicken, 100%. But, like, I don't know. I go to a lot of, like, if I go to, a, like, a fast food place, put it this way, like, I'd rather just have the burger and no fries kind of thing. Like, I don't need fries with this, you know? My 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 exception to that rule is onion rings from A&W. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I usually have a hard time passing on the fries McDonald's. Unless it's late at night, because they seem to go for a shit late at night. That's if what it's I was like, gonna say. It's like noon, noontime lunch yeah. for the, mm. the old ladies that they employ on uh, Monday to Friday that are working middle of the day that give a right, shit. They know what they're fucking. Oh doing. yeah, like yeah. they load those bad boys up with so much salt. And it's like, all right, right, I'm driving to the hospital. Like let's let's get those out. Right, but blood. like the kid that's working the fucking twelve midnight to eight a.m. shift who's like absolutely burnt the fuck out because yeah. there's like four of them working and like every drunk person in the city comes there for food plus they have to literally run the restaurant like you yeah. like you understand you worked at a job with midnight cruise midnight cruise do everything at like every job right yeah. like they are the fucking integral part of most jobs and that's the problem. grease that keeps the machine turning that's my <laughs> what I... a really underrated Simpsons joke is Homer's at uh, Krusty Burger and uh, he's ordering from the guy uh, uh, behind the counter and it's just like a 16 year old kid and I think it's the episode he wants to gain 300 pounds because he wants to go on disability kind of thing or he wants to get to 300 pounds and he uh, he leans over the counter and he grabs the kid by the tie that he's wearing and he fucking holds him like right up to his face and he's just like my god you are greasy <laughs> and it kills me every time uh, yeah fries are my answer alright yeah. um, I'm going baked potato yeah, okay. They're rarely good. More so, like, if you make them yourself, you're fine. I, I've i never gone somewhere to someone else's house and had, like, a really good baked... Like, even my own grandmother. Like, I, I just... I They're not... You know what the problem with the baked potato is? They're good in theory, but the problem with the yeah. baked potato is you're having a whole potato. <laughs> yes. That's the problem. That first layer... That opening later, we got all the butter and the salt and pepper and cheese yeah. and whatever else you put on it. It's great, but then like they're like eighty percent of it is just hot potato. <laughs> That's right. It's not good. It's a good answer. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the only one I, I don't I don't know if I have my underrated quite yet. Um. Hmm. Well, no, actually, no. I think I I because I thought about this uh, as to where I would put them in. I think I think. I think there's a, a place for, like, roasted vegetables that, like, no one really gives it enough credit. You know? I'm, I'm close on... Uh, my answer's very oh, close to that. Man, I almost like, went roasted vegetables, but yeah. Like, it is one of those things where, like, again, like, if I go somewhere and you get, like, a nice piece of chicken and sometimes I want to pair it with fries and it's like, 
I'd rather you just roast the shit out of some fucking broccoli yeah. and carrots and stuff like that. And, and it's usually damn good. One place that uh, gives you roasted vegetables uh, instead of fries with, like, meals where it would make sense to have fries is the Prospector. Mm-hmm. Prospector can roast the hell out of some vegetables, man. So, yeah, no, I like roasted vegetables. That would be my underrated. I, I was close to putting that. I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I went stuffed peppers. <sighs> Bit more, bit more prep work involved yeah. with that. Like it's so much easier to just cut the pepper up and roast them. Yeah. But my thing with roasted peppers is normally when it comes as a side, they're so good that you want them as a main mm-hmm. in a way, and that's kind of the problem. Like I prefer them as a main, I would say. Interesting. But yeah, that's not yeah. a bad one. Stuffed pepper for me. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite is like not all the time, but generally just something rice related, either a risotto. <laughs> um, uh, like, I, I love even just, like, white rice done a certain way, you know? Like, fuck. Just fuck me up with some rice. R- rice. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Yeah, like it... Oh, man. Rice is fucking awesome. One of my favorite things is, like, my, my parents really like um, stir-fries. Yeah. And I don't enjoy them. Like, I think it's more so the person cooking. <clears throat> which is, uh, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the, the family members in the house, but... Just not good. Just I, 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 don't, I don't enjoy it. But they always make a shit ton of rice. And there's always rice the next day. And I'll just take some white rice, a little hot sauce in there. Boom. That's my lunch the next day. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. So hmm. cool. I'll go with rice. Yeah. I, I would even say, um, too, like an honorable mention for me would be uh, just like asparagus when it's done on the barbecue. Mm. Fucking wow. I can't, I, can't, I can't get on board with asparagus. No, I've I, tried. But mm, I love it girlfriend's parents do it uh, wrapped in prosciutto it's it helps but it's, i still can't uh, yeah yeah even yeah just even bacon wrapped and stuff like that I like even like uh, zucchini on the barbecue is fucking good yeah. too like i love a good mm-hmm. barbecue man man fuck getting hungry here yeah, a barbecue um least favorite yeah um hmm do i i don't know like i mean i don't even know if this is really my answer because it's something that i enjoy as food but i think it's really weird certain like, it's usually, like, a chain restaurant does this kind of thing. Like, that wants to convince you that, like, wings are an appetizer kind of thing. That wings are, like, less than a meal. And that's a weird thing for me. Like, I don't even... You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if that's the right answer. Because, like... I don't know if I've had wings as a side. But, like, there are places where that seems to be... An option. An option. And yeah. that's batshit insane to me. That's nuts. Like Big I, in the States. Well, I and I'll say this too. Like I know I'm sure you're familiar with this story. I don't remember if you were on this trip or not. I don't think so. But I was in the states with friend of the show John Chozik one time. We went to Denny's and it was nine thirty in the morning. And the waitress full on full on walks up to the table, starts handing out the menus, starts pouring us coffee, and her first question after saying hello was, "You guys want some nachos?" It's nine thirty in the morning. And, like, even I, like, I was, like, we were, like, young little shits. Like, I even kind of looked around, and I'm like, are people doing that? And she looks at me, she's like, oh, you know, I just figured I'd get you guys started with something. And, like, Christine, it's 9.30 in the fucking morning, man. Like, I know I just finished drinking all night, but, like, I need to get my shit together for a couple hours here. Give me some eggs. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I guess, like, my least favorite appetite, or my least favorite side dish is something incredibly filling as a side like the main should be the filling thing is what i'm getting at wings are filling i don't need 10 wings with a fucking burger what are you out of your mind okay uh cornbread i hate oh really eh can't i i don't agree with that that's too bad (laughs) 
Just, it's like... I don't like bread as a side in uh, general. You know I'm what okay I mean? I'm okay with, but... like, um, with, like, a wow. nice, a nice roll. I'm, I'm okay with a roll. Even, even some toast, I can, I can understand. The cornbread is, like, just, like, it's almost sickly sweet, and it just sticks to my gums, and it's like, well, now I'm just thirsty, and I drink, I've drinking all of my water, and now I'm full, and I don't want anything else on my plate. So, I, I don't know. Just keep the, keep the cornbread away from me. It's one of the things where the eating experience is probably less uh, pleasant than the amount that I enjoy it. I'll give you that. Like, it is, it is kind of a bitch to eat, but man, like, my, my grandmother makes just fucking out-of-this-world cornbread. It is damn. Uh, I'm good. not. I'm not here to slander the good name of your grandmother. So, like, I, I, I don't do a lot of cooking. I don't know when the hell I would make cornbread, but I asked her for the recipe. That's how fucking good it was. Because I was like, I gotta know how to do this, and I'm not even gonna come close uh, once I try. But I have it. So, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I'll give you all my my cornbread from now on. Good to know. Okay. I mean, there is often bad cornbread, but you know, we'll try. Um, I'll try this again. Uh, I am James Cole. Oh, yes. You can find me at this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm Bruce Pataglia. I uh, never ended up writing a series preview for the Jets Oilers because I try to keep it positive uh, since I'm writing about the Jets. I didn't have anything positive to say. But I'll probably have some sort of a... Uh, I'll have something up soon. Maybe it'll be an off-season piece. If you're a Jets fan, hopefully it's not. Well, we, we will look for that for sure. <laughs> exactly. Alright. See you later. See you later. Go Leafs. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone! attention that you're no longer interested in the time that i've invested or the things that i say and i don't know your intentions but lately i feel the tension and i thought that i would mention that i will be okay just let me down i'll be okay just let me It's my confession 
that you were my main obsession But we're left with no direction Still I want you to stay Guess I couldn't face rejection Or even my own reflection Now I've got to face the question Were we happy this way? Just let me down I'll be okay Just 